All right, let me dive now into my message for the day. We are in part three of a message called All Things New. And I'm going to talk about soaring today because um, I don't know about you. Uh, I like to see uh, something soar. Obviously, the, the easiest example is, is watching a bird soar. Uh, watching an eagle soar. Uh, I like watching hang gliders where people run real fast and jump off a cliff uh, or they jump out of a plane. I like, I'll never do it. Uh, life is exciting enough with both feet on the ground. Um, but, but I like watching people do it. Has anyone here ever jumped out of a plane before? Let me see your hand. Um, okay. Uh, there's just a few nutty people here. Um, <laughs> no, you're not nutty. It's just incredibly brave. Um, but, uh, I like to see the soaring. But before I get to that, uh, let me just kind of lay a foundation uh, regarding the Holy Spirit, because we'll never soar until uh, we understand the role that the Holy Spirit is supposed to play in our life. Um, I, I was thinking about how tempting it is for us to believe in the Holy Spirit, for us to recognize the Holy Spirit, but not necessarily invite Him into our life on a regular basis. And, and that is a, a sad thing because the Holy Spirit is around us all the time. The presence of God is around us all the time. And when He gets involved, He does things that no man can do. Uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The Holy Spirit does what effort never will be able to. Uh, it's it, You can have all the effort in the world, but the Holy Spirit does what effort never will. Um, it, I'll give you one example. In John chapter 14, it says that the Holy Spirit is supposed to comfort you. Now think about that for a moment. You take all the stress, you take all your worry, you take all your concern. What are you worried about? Are you worried about your finances? You worried about uh, your job? You worried about your health? How many of you have kids? I have three where you want to you wanna lay your hands on them in the name of Jesus sometimes? <laughs> you know, what are you worried about? Is it your children? Um, and and what, what the Bible is saying is that this, the Holy Spirit has a way of coming into your world and making you peaceful, to comfort you. Even though there's chaos around you, you're just at peace. You're, you're confident. Um, you're not struggling. Um, you're not, you're not trying, you're trusting, you're confident. Um, I, I want to give you a visual illustration for a second. Um, uh, I'm one of those guys who cannot sleep without a pillow. Is anybody with me on that? If you don't have a pillow, you're not going to sleep. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you cannot sleep. I have to have a pillow. But uh, it's interesting because I took this pillow out of my office. Um, uh, this is this is not a pillow that brings you comfort because you're not supposed to actually use it, <laughs> right? Uh, I've got a couple of these pillows in my living room. Uh, some of you guys might have them too. It's it, it, it the 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 whole inception of the pillow making it into the living room went something like this. Um, uh, oh, it doesn't. It just looks so basic. Oh, that looks so much better. That, 
No, oh, there we go. There we go. Are you with me, Adria? It's like, oh, now that's it. Just needed that little, just, just needed that little pop. And so we have these these pillows on my bed, for example. There's like 14 pillows that you're not supposed to touch. You can look at them, but you can't touch them. Does anyone have any of those pillows? Uh, we got like these these pillows. Uh, one's on Allie's side, and one's on my side, and there's one in the middle. And and every once in a while, she'll mix it up and like put a little pillow that says like dream. And it's like, can I use that one? No, no, you can't use it. Have you ever had a visitor come to your house and like take one of your decorative pillows and be like, oh man? And you're like, oh. <laughs> You're crunching my pillow. You're getting get and, you, you, and they're talking, and you're and you're not even hearing them. You're like, you're on my pillow. <laughs> and then they leave, and you're like, <laughs> you, you don't. You, you, it's got to just be like straight, like bam, 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 bam. Just it can't be crunched up. It, it doesn't matter how comfortable it is. You don't don't use that. It's not for that. It's, it's, it's like to admire it. Let's actually use it. Uh, when I was growing up, we had towels in our bathroom. <laughs> you don't touch those towels. Now, now, guests can touch them. We couldn't touch them. Does anyone have any towels in your house? You don't touch those towels. Those are to look at. Those are to look at. You can't actually use them. All the husbands are scared to raise their hand right now. Because you're like, I ain't going to complain right now. I think those pillows are great, preacher. Um, but here's, the, here's my point. The pillows were invented to bring comfort. But now there's a whole line of pillows that they're not meant for comfort. They're meant for admiration. Um, and, and I wonder if the comforter has become someone that we admire... We're proud of the fact that the Holy Spirit is in our life. We may even be comfortable saying the words Holy Spirit around our certain particular friends, not all of them. But we're comfortable with it. We like it. And, and there's a comfort knowing that it's there, but we don't necessarily use it as much as we admire it. We're happy that He's here. And so long as you admire, he's never actually able to do what he's in your life to do. In John chapter 16, um, it's not comfort that the Holy Spirit brings. It's, it's guidance to where God doesn't necessarily say, turn right or turn left. He doesn't communicate to us like that. The, the way he does it is, is he leads your instinct where you just have a, a desire to go in that particular direction and he leads your desires. And, and when you don't know what to do, before you just make a random decision, you whisper to yourself, God, help me with this decision. This invitation of the Holy Spirit. When he gets involved, he does things that, that no one can do. I mean, he is so powerful and he's always with us all the time. Uh, in the New Testament, in the Bible, 
There's, there's 27 books in the New Testament. 264 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Just in the book of Acts, he's mentioned 60 times. And when you read about what he does, let me just share with you a few of the things that he did in Acts. He caused a lame man to walk. He, he healed a man of palsy. A girl named Tabitha was brought back to life. A tormentor by the name of Saul. I don't know if you've ever looked at anybody and just like, man, that person has a heart of stone. Let this encourage you. A tormentor by the name of Saul was touched by the Holy Spirit. And he became a man named Paul and ended up writing more than half of the New Testament. A crippled man was healed. A, a venomous snake bit the hand of Paul and it had no effect. See, when the Holy Spirit is moving and operating in our life, uh, the way he did with the disciples, things happen that, that we weren't anticipating and they're far beyond our imagination. But the question is, is, is the Holy Spirit a part of our life that we, that we live with and call upon? Or is it something that we are grateful for and we admire, but it's not necessarily a part of our life? There are three things that I want to share with you today, or three points rather. The first one is simply this. The Holy Spirit involves himself among us. He is among us. Uh, there's a song that we sing um, here sometimes, and it, it says, it's your breath in my lungs. He, he is among us. He's around us. He's in us. And, and uh, uh, the, the fact that he's not moving mightily, it, it makes you say, why did he move mightily with the disciples and not so much with us? Uh, I had this thought, maybe the disciples had this halo around their head, not one that you could actually see, but there was a halo and they were just, they were just a little bit more special than you and I. And, and that's why miracles happened in their life the way I just read them. But, but Peter cleared that up in Acts chapter three, verse 12. He said, Right after he healed a lame beggar, he says, Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? He's saying that miracle did not happen because I have reached a certain level of godliness. This is so important for us to hear. The Holy Spirit, when he's around you, does not look at you and say, I am not going to move mightily until you get to be this godly. There is no godliness that you can reach that merits miracles. Your walk with God and the Holy Spirit is not an earned based relationship. In other words, it's not like the Boy Scouts. You know, when you're a Boy Scout, um, uh, you get these little patches and you tie knots and make fires and then you get more patches and you go like Cub Scout, Boy Scout, Bear Scout, all these different Scouts. And, and, and you move up to Wolf Scout and I don't know what other Scout and you get all the way up to Eagle Scout. 
I know Eagle Scout's a real one. Um, but you get, you get all the way up to Eagle Scout. It takes you like 10 years. And then you can take a troop by yourself into the woods and build fires and all this other kind of stuff. That is nothing like your walk with the Holy Spirit. You don't go up ranks and then all of a sudden He will move in your life when you hit a certain level of godliness. So that was cool. But then I backed up and I thought, well, maybe if I knew more scriptures or the people who go to church in 2018, maybe if we knew more scriptures or we had more of a knowledge base of the Hebrew and the Greek, maybe then the Holy Spirit would move in mighty ways like he did then. Well, that got cleared up in the very next verse. In Acts chapter 3 verse 13, Right after uh, a healing took place, it reads like this. When they, meaning the teachers of the law, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. So uh, when, have you ever talked with somebody and you just met them and within 10 seconds you're like, this guy's an educated guy. You could just tell. You tell the way they talk, you know, uh, you could just tell. Likewise, you can talk to somebody and like, this guy's dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> you know, and, and some of them are our friends, right? You just like, I'm not going to say it out loud, but you're dumb. And uh, in the way they talk, it's entertaining. It's fun to listen to, but you're not going to let them represent you in the court of law or anything. They're going to say, y'all come back now here. Hey, 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 you ain't got no learning, no way. Cool. Uh, it's just, the, the, the double negatives are, they don't even notice them. It's just, a, you, you, if my grandpa used to say this, son, if, if you're not going to work, at least stand in a strain. I'm like, okay. That was his logic. I'm like, but my grandpa's got a heart of gold, but he had like a fourth grade education. This was the category of the disciples. They're preaching and they're sitting there and they're like, these guys are, listen to this, unschooled. In other words, you guys sound like dumb idiots, but they were astonished of the power they possessed in fact, Paul said it this way, and he had a, a robust education. He said this, he goes, I don't come to you with wisdom of man or persuasive speech, but of demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And so, number one, they didn't have a halo, and they weren't a little bit more special than you or I. And they weren't, uh, they, the miracles didn't happen because they had this huge knowledge base that equipped them to... Uh, entice the Holy Spirit to move. And so if it's not any one of those things, what, what was it? Well, that was outlined for us as well. Uh, I'm telling you, the Bible is an awesome book. Watch what it says here. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. 
So what he's saying here is he goes, it's, it's not because I'm brilliant. It's not because I'm godly. It's because of two things. Number one is faith. Number two is I'm using the name Jesus because it takes both of those. So if you have faith, but you use the name of Muhammad or Ralph, don't hold your breath. But if you use the name of Jesus, but you don't have faith, don't expect a lot. Now, what is faith? Faith sounds like the the definition of faith sounds like an oxymoron. It sounds like contradictory words, but it's not. Listen to the definition of faith. Faith is being sure of what you are hoping for. Did you hear that? Being confident of what you cannot see. That's faith. So to back up and take your faith and take the name of Jesus and put it together in the same moment, in the same sentence, that's when the Holy Spirit goes, this is my moment. I'm about to get involved. Why don't you just back up a little bit? Let me do what I do. And so how does that faith get cultivated? I'm glad you're sitting here today because I have the answer. When you pray, you have the opportunity to build your faith when you pray. Now, when you pray, how you word it, because you're talking to the Lord, but you're also listening to yourself talk. So as you're listening to yourself talk, um, your faith is either going up or it's going down. So when you talk, you're praising him, you're worshiping him, but you're also affecting your faith level at the same time. Let me illustrate. Let's say when you're praying, you pray like this, dear God, I am in some deep trouble and I need some help. Or you can pray a faith prayer saying the same exact thing. The only thing that's different is you put the words thank you before the sentence. Watch. Thank you, God, that you're with me because I am in some deep trouble and I need some help. The only thing that's different is you put thank you before it. You see, and when you walk into, let's say, a bedroom and you close the door, or you walk into a closet, you're in the car, and the only reason why you're praying is because you have a huge prayer request. But you're not going to bring the prayer request up right away. You're going to kind of inch into it. <laughs> right? You, 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 the only reason why you're praying is you got, you got to talk about this big thing. And so you're like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be rude and just like, so I'm, I'm just gonna inch into it. So you kind of like, mosey into it. And I do that too. And so you just say, you start off with thank yous. And, and if you start real basic, the Holy Spirit will show up and, and help you. So it starts off sounding, Lord, thank you. Cause you don't feel like praying, right? So nobody feels like praying when they start usually. And so you just thank you for my house. Thank you for my carpet, my car. And now the Holy Spirit around the fifth or sixth thank you comes in and starts helping. Thank you for my shoes. Thank you that I'm breathing. Listen, thank you that I'm breathing. 
Thank you that I'm not in the hospital right now. Thank you for my children. Thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins. Thank you that you continue to be merciful to me. Do you see what happened? I was just trying to get the ball rolling. Thank you for the carpet. See, I'm just starting, just trying to get the ball rolling. Thank you that I got an air conditioning. Right? Just trying to get the ball rolling. Then the Holy Spirit says, I see what you're doing. I'm going to help you now. Thank you for my children. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you. Now what's happening? First of all, you're praising him. But secondly, you're building your faith because you're reminding yourself of all the things that he's already done. Now, thank you for being good to me. Thank you for being there when nobody else was. When the people that said that they loved me left, you were still there. Thank you. And now here it comes. Now we're going to talk about the reason why I'm here in the first place. Here it comes. But you're in this thank you rhythm now. And so now you pull out this big request. And now, God, I'm thanking you that you're bringing my son home. And now, God, I'm thanking you that you can take this sickness out of my body. And now, God, I'm thanking you that my father is getting well. And now, God, I'm thanking you that some way, somehow, my finances are going to be okay. Lord, I thank you for all the things that you've already done. But now I'm thanking you for the things you're going to do. It's a faith-filled thank you. It's now your faith is rising. And now you're calling out the name of Jesus. You're, and we're, now we're doing exactly what they did in the Bible because it wasn't a halo. It was faith plus the name of Jesus. And so point number two is simply this. The Holy Spirit involves wind. It's fascinating how the Holy Spirit involves wind. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, he showed up in a mighty rushing wind. I, I'm fascinated by certain things. Um, and wind is one of them. It's fascinating to me that nobody knows when it's coming, how it's coming, where it came from, and where it's going. I love it. I love that wind can give you this sensation of, oh, man, it feels good. Man, I'll roll the window down and just hang my hand out. Oh, that feels so good. Uh, and then it can also give you the sensation of, of fret, of fear, when it hits that tornado level. If you know the answer to this question, I want you to say it real loud. If you don't know the answer to the question, then obviously just listen in and learn. What does a tornado sound like? A train. How many people have heard that? A train. Uh, I, I remember I was a few years back. I was in my backyard. It was getting ready to storm and we were being silly. We were listening to the, the thunder and then we were like counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Oh, and then we saw a lightning or is it the other way around? I don't know. Whatever it is. But we were trying to figure out, okay, so it's, you know, the lightning and, and thunder distance is like seven, you know, Mississippis. So that means it's seven miles away. And, and so we're like meteorologists all of a sudden. And, and then all of a sudden we heard this. What was that? And all of a sudden my grandma told me that tornadoes sound like trains. And it wasn't like toot, toot. It was like. And now all of a sudden, it wasn't a game anymore. We're getting in the house. We're going to crawl underneath our sink. I don't know what protocol is, but get low, get down. <laughs> wind is powerful. Wind has a way. You, you can't stop wind. 
wind does whatever it wants, whenever it wants, whenever it gets big enough, it can slip through cracks. It can, you can't stop wind. Wind is powerful. Wind will knock down a building. Wind will pick up a building and fling it. Wind will cool you. Wind will give you a breath of fresh air. The Holy Spirit is a type and shadow of wind. And oftentimes it's, the Holy Spirit is standing right next to us saying, I, I can help you with that right there. Have you ever seen an eagle learn to fly? Uh, I haven't. We actually looked it up and I was just fascinated by it. That uh, first, My first thought was like, that's a baby eagle? That's a huge baby. <laughs> like, my goodness. Uh, after I got over that, uh, I started noticing that they, they couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure out how to fly. Lots of struggle. Lots of effort. Lots of confusion. Lots of struggle. Lots of effort. Lots of, lots of trying. Lots of trying. But once the eagle figures out how to use wind, everything changes. Everything changes. Now, there's no more struggle. There's no more trying. There's no more fretting. The only thing that changed is he just figured out how to use wind. See, the Holy Spirit has designed you to soar. The struggle is real, but it's not yours to carry. Soaring looks like this. I know things are rough, but everything's being taken care of. I know things are hard, but everything is being taken care of. That's, that's how you know when you're soaring. When you're stressing, it sounds like this. What are we going to do? Well, I got to call him. I got to call her. I got to send an email. I got to have a meeting. Got to talk to him. This ain't right. Soaring sounds like, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do yet. I'm in a fact-free environment. But I do know that everything is going to work out. That's how you know when you're soaring. And the Lord designed us to soar. Point number two that I just hit was that the Holy Spirit involves wind. Point number three is soaring involves whispering. Did you hear what I said earlier? When I said, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm in a fact-free environment, but I know everything's going to be okay. See, without even thinking about it, I could feel my voice tone drop. I could feel calmness set in. And it's not just because I'm standing up here speaking. I notice that same effect in my personal life when I'm just living day to day. That when I'm soaring, I'm much more calm. I'm much more confident. Still surrounded by problems, just like all of you. But I'm not fretting, I'm trusting. I'm not nervous, I'm at peace. I'm soaring. I want to give you an example, a very practical example. Of trusting versus fretting. Of soaring versus struggling. There's a, a guy um, who pastors the largest church in the country. His name is Dr. Yungi Cho. He has over a million people in his church. And um, his church is in Seoul, Korea. 
I read a book of his called The Fourth Dimension literally 20 years ago. And I've never mentioned this until today, but while I was preparing for this message, my mind went back to a story that he wrote in his book. And it's a story of this couple that he married. He pronounced a blessing over them and married them. And uh, just a few years later, they called him up and said, we're getting a divorce. We do not want marriage counseling. We do not want you to pray for us. Uh, we want you to bless our divorce. And Dr. Cho, he knew he wasn't going to bless the divorce, but he didn't know what he was going to do. Sometimes you know what you're not going to do, but you don't know what you should do. And so he told him, I'm going to come visit you guys and hung up the phone. He got on his knees, put his face into his carpet, and he closed his eyes and he began to picture and he waited as long as he had to, to picture this couple happy, smiling, and in love. And then he whispered to the Lord, Jesus, do that. Then he stood up, walked out of his house, and went to their house. Now I could tell you what happened by memory, but instead I'm going to read it to you because the way he worded it stuck with me for 20 years and it just may do the same for you. He says this, they were living in a fantastically luxurious apartment. There was every convenience in that apartment, but when I walked in, I felt an icy chill. The hatred that existed between that man and his wife you can have all the material good in the world, but if there is hatred in your families, those material things will be no blessing at all. As I came in, I found the man sitting in the living room and the wife in the bedroom. As soon as I walked into the living room, the man began to speak disrespectfully about his wife. His wife then rushed into the room saying, don't listen to him, listen to me. Then she also began to speak out against her husband. I would listen to the husband and everything that he said seemed right. Then I would listen to the wife and everything that she said seemed to be right. Each was right in their own opinion. Both were right and I was sandwiched between. Both said there were, they were completely finished in their marriage. Don't pray for us, they kept repeating. Just pray for our divorce. But I had already overruled this decision in my heart. Being confident, or as I would say, soaring, I took the hand of the husband and the hand of the wife, and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command Satan to lose his hold of hatred on this couple. And in this moment, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I command that these two be melted together. Let them be tender and rejoined. 
Suddenly I felt a warm drop fall on my hand. And when I looked at the man, he was crying and his tears were falling down. I thought to myself, praise God. When I looked at the eyes of the wife, I could see that her eyes were watering also. So I drew their hand together and said, what the Lord has joined, let no man or circumstance divide. What Dr. Cho knew is that he could walk in there and struggle with them, and counsel with them. Or he could go in there and lean on the Holy Spirit and whisper his name and let him take care of the rest. There's something about learning to whisper. Every single time you have a thought that stresses you out, that worries you, that concerns you, you just whisper that faith-filled prayer that starts off with thank you. Thank you for taking care of that. Last night, I couldn't sleep. I didn't fall asleep till 3 o'clock in the morning. I think part of that is because my wife was afraid that it was going to freeze last night, so she had it at 95 degrees. <laughs> um, but while I was laying there, um, these concerns kept coming to my mind. And I told myself, Frankie, you're anointed to preach it, but you got to live it like everybody else. And so every time something came to my mind, I just whispered while I was laying in bed, thank you for taking care of that. And then another worry came to my mind, thank you for taking care of that. Thank you for taking care of that. And then the enemy would bring back the same one that I already said thank you, brought it back the same worry 47 times at least, I just thank you. And you know what I notice is if he's going to send 47 concerns to you that is going to spark 47 prayers, I promise you he's going to come up with a different strategy. It's all about whispering. I'm going to need you. Thank you. Faith plus Jesus, the name of Jesus, causes the Holy Spirit to be more than something that you just merely admire. It causes him to be someone that you take comfort in, who gives you guidance. Would you stand your feet for me, please? Would everyone here just bow your head and close your eyes throughout the room? Nobody looking around, please. Let me ask you an honest question. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you would spend eternity? Nobody looking around. This is a very personal moment. If the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? See, hands are going up all over the room right now. Can we all just raise both hands as a sign of surrender to Jesus Christ? And out loud, can everybody in the room say these simple words? Dear Jesus, come on, let me hear you. Dear Jesus, 
I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? I need your mercy and I need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your eyes closed, please. Keep your hands raised. Let me speak a blessing into your life. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. With your eyes continued closed. The worship team is going to sing. You can dismiss yourself whenever you want to, but would you just take a few moments and ask the Lord, whisper to him, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me this morning? In Jesus' name.